Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's 12.03. It's Tuesday afternoon, January 18th, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Treasury yields are rising on a day when reports on manufacturing and home builder confidence are out. We're joined by Brian Westbury, Chief Economist, First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Brian, thanks for joining us today. Uh, before we talk about some of these uh, economic reports that are out, it looks like uh, investors are uh, seeking safe harbor in the bond market today. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, what's happening with uh, interest rates right now, Rob, is they are going up. Uh, and the reason is that the Federal Reserve is expected to start raising interest rates soon. So that's pushing all, the whole yield curve up. In other words, 10-year bonds, 20-year bonds, 30-year mortgages. And, and when interest rates go up, uh, that makes it tougher for stock markets to go up. So we just have a little bit of indigestion today because of uh, renewed fears that the Fed will hike rates faster this year. And now we have uh, the Empire State Manufacturing Survey and Home Builder Confidence. And it sounds like uh, both sectors are being hit by two I's and one C, inflation, interest rates, and COVID. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, well, one of the things with Omicron uh, and the new renewed shutdown, you know, so Empire Manufacturing, that index, it covers New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, that east, uh, uh, northeast uh, corridor of production. And, and I do think Omicron uh, uh, shut down some plants uh, when you're missing 20, 30, 40 percent of your workers, uh, when kids aren't allowed to go back to school. Uh, all, all of that interferes with production. But I think when when we look back, uh, turn around in December of this year and look back over the year, what we will end up seeing is an economy that did grow, uh, profits that were higher, uh, and interest rates that were higher as well. And I think net, net, net will create jobs, will have GDP growth. The stock market will have days like this. But I think by the end of the year, the stock market will be higher than it is today. It's a rough patch of road, to be sure. I mean, you have a couple of uh, of, of of problems here. I mean, starting with uh, the fact that uh, Omicron is still here. It's falling in some parts of the country, but it's definitely a fact of life for a lot of businesses. And you just have all of the, for lack of a better word, weirdness of an economy in transition. Yeah, absolutely. When you, I, I, I hope when we look back at this whole period, uh, we will never do what we did again with lockdowns. Uh, and we don't need to debate the whole uh, uh, pandemic, et cetera. But lockdowns themselves destroy supply chains. Markets thrive on information. And when you close things down, you basically block off that information. And I think we're going to be living with these supply chain problems for at least the next couple of years. They're slowly getting better, uh, but the inflation that comes with that, the inflation that comes with the Fed printing too much money, all of that is going to be a part of our life for the next couple of years. And so you're right. It is strange, uh, but it's because we did unprecedented things. We've never 
locked down the economy like this before. So we should we should get used to strains and 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 remember that for the next couple of years. Thanks for joining us, Brian Westbury, Chief Economist, First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Coming up, the video game company that makes the popular Call of Duty franchise has been sold. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Microsoft is buying video game company Activision Blizzard in an all-cash deal worth nearly $69 billion. Let's discuss the deal with Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Michael, uh, Mike, thanks for joining us today. Well, let's talk about the uh, the nuts and bolts of this uh, particular deal uh, that turns uh, Microsoft into an increasingly large player in the video game space. Yeah, good afternoon, Rob, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, they went from basically almost zero to uh, the third largest gaming company by revenue in the world, only behind Tencent and Sony. So this is a big deal for Microsoft. It, it, it's a big deal, period, $69 billion in cash. This is the largest a- acquisition Microsoft has ever done. So this is, this is, um, this is major, and it, it, it definitely signals what Microsoft believes the future holds for uh, consumers. What is Microsoft these days, for those of us who know it simply as the Windows and Word company? Well, it's funny. I grew up on Microsoft uh, Windows and, and uh, out of the box, uh, Windows 98, and a lot of the folks that are you know my age are remembering those days. But you know, Microsoft's done a great job of continuing to evolve, uh, and that, so they've moved their their software uh, to the cloud. Uh, they call it Azure, and um, they basically sell software as a service in the cloud. And, and so a lot of companies would have not been able to make that transition and fallen by the wayside. But Microsoft, showing how resilient it is, uh, has has moved uh, to, to where the technology is going, which is the cloud. So now they've decided in another move, and this is another big, big uh, uh, move for them, uh, to uh, – to uh, look at the metaverse and to figure out how are they going to be a player in the metaverse. And they feel like the first thing they're going to do is buy a great content provider because content is king in everything, and that, that's always been the case, always will be. And even in the metaverse, content will be king. So Activision provides uh, possibly the best gaming content there is in the world, and, and it was trading at – down 40 to 50% from where it was last year. So they're basically buying it for cash, 95 bucks a share. It was trading at 95 bucks seven, eight months ago. And then very quickly, Microsoft stock, uh, has it moved since uh, the word of this deal broke out, or has it been pretty much flat all day? Well, the whole market's down, so it's down a couple percent. It's basically in, in sympathy with the market, but the, the, the move itself has been in Activision. All tech is down right now. So, uh, yeah, Microsoft is down, but that's just in sympathy with the market. Thanks for joining us today. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Coming up next, Goldman Sachs misses the mark. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Earnings season is underway with the big banks among the first to report. Let's take a look at Goldman Sachs with Kenneth Leon, Research Director, CFRA, Delray Beach, Florida. Kenneth, thank you for joining us today. And uh, we're looking at the markets and then looking at Goldman Sachs. It's like, look what you made me do. We're starting off with a bumpy 2022, rising rates, concerns about inflation, wage increases. All these things are pulling 
you know, more expense, you know, into results. And Goldman is no different. Earnings, uh, $10.81 per share. Uh, that's lower than the estimate of $11.76. But revenue uh, was above analyst expectations. Uh, so clearly, uh, everyone's looking at the expense side of the ledger and not the fact that Goldman Sachs uh, made more money uh, than anticipated. Uh, and that's right. And not all expense is just for inflation. A lot of it is investment in technology. Goldman ha- over 40% of their workforce is technology, and that's to compete in the future. Um, so when you look at Goldman, uh, the world is still flush with cash. Uh, the pipeline for investment banking uh, is still very strong, both for underwriting and mergers and acquisitions. Uh, but the challenge is, it's what have you done for me lately? Because 2021 was a record year for performance, and 22 gets back perhaps to a more normalized level. And then when it comes to, uh, you want to call, I mean, obviously, um, payroll costs are going to be an issue across the entire economy. But in some of these high skill sectors, banking, tech, where you can have these bidding wars for talent or individual people, um, are there... uh, are their payroll costs or their benefit costs going to be substantially higher than other sectors? Well, Goldman always rewards for performance, and that's true certainly for investment bankers, but for technology competing against Microsoft, Google, and others, um, it means they got to pay up. And talent is critical for developing software, machine learning, artificial intelligence, a whole array of technology that really makes your platform intelligent, in this case, for the capital markets. So I I don't think Goldman or other large banks have any choice. Jamie Dimon from J.P. Morgan pretty much said the same thing with results last Friday, and it's just going to be a cost of doing business. The uh, markets took took a tumble, um, more than likely because they took their cues from Goldman. Um, is this simply a case of investors uh, reading uh, Goldman's uh, uh, Q4 report and just having their beliefs reinforced? I think it's more of a, of an adjustment of the macro, not necessarily Goldman themselves. And, and I'm very confident with a strong buy recommendation and, and see this as an enhanced buying opportunity with the sell-off that Goldman's going to rank number one or two across any of the league tables for investment banking. Uh, they have, you know, significant assets under management, you know, in the trillions. And this is a smart management. So this is not about Goldman. This is, I think, more recalibrating 2022 outlook for the, for the macro picture. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Kenneth Leon, Research Director, CFRA, Delray Beach, Florida. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Democrats bring voting legislation to the Senate floor with very little chance for passage, however. Rising tensions with Russia prompt a visit to Ukraine by the Secretary of State. In Travel Tuesday, there's an ongoing debate about the potential impact of 5G technology on navigation technology in airplanes, and some Chicago area retailers being forced to reduce their hours. An effort to stay afloat. 
WBBM Business. The markets are sharply lower. The Dow is down 572. The NASDAQ is down 350. The S&P 500 down 87. AccuWeather says clouds breaking for sunshine today. Increasingly windy, not nearly as cold. And a high of 41. Right now we have 34 degrees in Chicago at 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, Democrats are bringing long-stalled voting legislation to the floor of the Senate today, beginning a process that will most likely see the two bills go down to defeat. More from CBS News congressional correspondent Scott McFarlane. It's unorthodox to see Senate leaders bring a losing hand to the table. That's what they're going to do today. They want a message on this. They want to be caught trying on voting rights. They think it serves their midterm election strategy. They also think it's the right thing to do. At the present time, Democrats don't have enough votes to change the rules and allow passage of the bills with a simple majority. America's top diplomat is heading to Ukraine. The State Department says Secretary Antony Blinken will visit Ukraine this week and meet with President Vladimir Zelensky as tensions between the U.S. and Russia escalate over signs of a possible Russian invasion. Blinken will be in Kyiv to show U.S. support after diplomatic talks between Moscow and the West produced no agreements last week. The Biden administration's accused Russia of preparing a false flag operation for a pretext for intervention, a charge that Russia denies. After visiting Ukraine's capital, Blinken will meet with his German, British, and French counterparts in Berlin to discuss a possible response to any Russian military action. I'm Jackie Quinn. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are deep in the red today. We're joined by Gary Kultbaum, president of Kultbaum Capital Management based in Orlando. Gary, thanks for joining us this mo- uh, this afternoon. When you talked to us this morning, uh, you were saying that a bit of a reset is underway. Uh, that low interest rate environment, the Fed bond buying environment is uh, coming to an end. And it sounds like everybody's tra- in a rush to reposition. Uh, you know, it's kind of sometimes very uh, simple. Uh, when the market's addicted to certain things and loses those certain things, uh, the market has to adjust. And unfortunately, that certain thing, our yields on, on the 10-year and the 30-year, that's mortgages, that's credit cards, and that means ca- the cost of capital is going up. Uh, and then you have oil prices that have that are skyrocketing. That means the cost of almost everything goes up as there's so many things involved. Uh, you combine that with uh, the with still involved with the COVID and the supply chains, and you're entering a, a bear market of, of sorts. We already have a brutal bear market in growth stocks. We've already had br- bubbles pop that started b- back last February. So this is a continuation uh, and unfortunately, it's going to probably gain some more teeth before it gets better. What happens if you're a company that was the beneficiary of that growth stock environment uh, where venture capital has just been shoveling billions of dollars into your operation, but you have yet to show a profit? What happens to you in 2022? Well, if, if you're public, you, you know, you go Go to work every day and try to build your business. If you're not public yet, it's going to be a tougher road uh, to get public. Uh, we had a monster move in how many companies were able uh, to go to the public markets. They did it through IPOs and SPACs. They did it evaluations off the chart. Uh, that's going to end, and the uh, getting capital is going to get a little bit rougher as you move forward. But if you're public, you just go and do your business, and those companies – 
that are able to grow their business 50, 100 percent a year over a few year period, they will be paid up in time uh, just right now. Pretty much. Uh, what do they say about throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Well, it's it sounds like as far as the, the the Fed policy is concerned with interest rates, try to slow down inflation. There's only so much you can do as a Fed policymaker because you're still beholden to world events. Uh, the the cost of energy uh, is tied to what's happening right now in Kazakhstan, and the supply chain yeah. <laughs> is tied to uh, China's zero COVID policy, which they said yesterday they're very proud of. Yeah, look, there's a lot of external things that the Fed has no control of. But what they do have control of is how much money they print, how low they keep interest rates. And all I know is since August, the yield on the 10 year has gone from 1.1 to up to almost 1.9. And they've done nothing about it. And they're behind the curve. They're like me running a race against Usain Bolt. And uh, I'm three yards into the race and Usain Bolt's already done with the 100 yards. They're just way, way behind. They need to start playing catch up. They need to show they care. They really give a you know what about inflation or or look out. It is the worst type of tax and it is the worst possible scenario because inflation will cause deflation as prices are too high for uh, lower income and middle income uh, classes. And they they buy less and then it starts to feed on itself and you get somewhat of a vicious cycle. And it's happened before, and I keep my fingers crossed that that has, will not happen again. Where do you see us at the end of Q1? As far as markets? Yes. Um, I, I think there's going to be some more pain. And I'll tell you what's got me real worried. Uh, the reaction to uh, Goldman Sachs' earnings, the reaction to J.P. Morgan's and BlackRock, these are three major league stalwarts of the financial industry. And I have to tell you, their numbers are not coming in too great. Uh, so bad reaction. And when you deal with markets, uh, for me, the one, number one rule, it's not just the news. It's how things react to the news. And that's uh, those are three gargantuan hiccups. I'm hoping for better. We have uh, thousands more earnings to come out in the weeks ahead, and hopefully we do see better. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Gary Kulpbaum, President Kulpbaum Capital Management in Orlando, Florida. Find him online at GaryK.com. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, the airline industry sounds an alarm about the rollout of 5G technology. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday. Wireless carriers are set to debut 5G technology tomorrow, and it's fueling concern from the airline industry. We're joined by Ken Goldstein, President KJG International Consulting, based in Chicago. Ken, thanks for joining us today. I'm going to begin with a lyric from the song The Spirit of Radio by Rush. Invisible airwaves crackle with life. And that really does describe the technological scene today because the air is filled with all sorts of radio signals that power everything from this program to aircraft navigation to the earbuds you listen to on the way to the train. Well, Rob, thank you for starting with that intro because that's exactly where it is. The problem is 5G operates in a band of 3,700 to 3,800 megahertz range. The, and eventually they want to go to 3,700 to 3,980. The FAA is saying, hey, that's too close to our range that we use, which is 4,200 to 4,400 megahertz, which is primarily for use of the radio altimeters. Now, let's take it a step further. There's two types of flying rules. There's visual flight rules 
and insurance flight rules. On a day like today in Chicago, where it's somewhat cloudy, generally speaking, on those runways coming into O'Hare, they're going to use instrument flight rules. And if these 5G is rolled out, which they're talking of doing tomorrow, there's a potential interference with radio altimeter. Now, the airlines in their letter saying, hey, stop this now, and it's already been stopped once, they're saying it not only affects radio altimeters, it could affect other parts of the aircraft's uh, instrumentation. For example, on a 787, it even goes to the fact that it may have an impact on the thrust reversers on the aircraft when it lands. So the big question is, what's the impact? Now, the uh, 5G people, <clears throat> primarily Verizon and AT&T, which invested and got spent $80 billion to get in an auction last year to get these wave uh, lengths or to do this, they want to get going on it. The airline saying, hey, wait a minute, we need more information. The uh, AT&T and Verizon have come back and said, wait a minute, we did this in Europe and there's no problems. The airlines and the FAA are saying, that's not true. We're not sure of this. So it's a question of safety. Now, the, the FAA has given some NOTAMs, which is notice to air, airmen, about landing at certain places. O'Hare is one of the major places. The hometown airline, United, is very concerned. Why? Because it impacts some of their major hubs, Dulles, Newark, O'Hare, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. So there's a big concern here. And they're asking for uh, a, a waiver, or at least asking the cell phone companies to uh, limit the use of 5G to two miles out from the airport. And that is going to impact a lot of people in Des Plaines, Park Ridge, Elk Grove Village, the northwest side of Chicago, uh, Rosemont. Uh, but it's, in addition to that, it doesn't include all the runways. So where the FAA is saying, hey, we need a waiver or don't put these towers in or to do the 5G within two miles of the airport runways or alternate them or something like that, there's still a lot to be done here. Uh, the FAA, the, F e, uh, the uh, FCC, or I've been talking about this, but I think the major push here, and again, I, I'm more biased toward the airlines here, and I admittedly so, I think it's the fact that the Verizon and AT&T have spent, invested $80 billion. They've already delayed it twice. They want to get going. And I think it may boil down to that. I think the best thing to do, hold off, wait. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Ken Goldstein, President KJG International Consulting based in Chicago. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, retailers cutting hours as they struggle in the pandemic. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Some retailers are reducing their hours in the battle to survive the pandemic. We welcome in Ali Marathi, restaurants and retail reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Ali, thanks for joining us today. Where is the pressure coming from? Is this a matter of customers not showing up, or is this a case of businesses uh, dealing with a lot of employees who are out sick? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, right? So this is something that we've seen since the world started reopening again almost a year ago at this point where, um, and we started seeing the labor markets getting really tight, right? It's been hitting um, especially restaurants hard where throughout the whole summer and fall, I mean, I, I've seen Starbucks that have had to do this, right? They're sort of reducing hours, shutting down on certain days, that sort of thing. And then, you know, as Omicron started ramping up about a month ago, 
Um, seeing, you know, if, if one or two staffers is out sick, that might mean the whole store needs to shut down, the whole restaurant needs to shut down. So what we're seeing here now, the change is that these big national retailers, Alta is a great example, right? All 1,300 of its stores have altered their hours through February because they're seeing staffing shortages and also safety concerns related to the Omicron variant. So is that happening? Walgreens is another big one that's doing this too, where they're shutting some stores early on the weekends here and there and um, pointing specifically towards staffing issues. And it sounds like they're uh, following in the footsteps of the restaurant industry, or uh, maybe this is happening concurrently. Correct. It seems like both, right? I think it's just kind of gotten, it's something that has been going on, like I said, for almost a year now, but has definitely gotten worse as case counts have spiked with Omicron. Now, is this simply, and now these are big companies we're talking about, Ulta, Walgreens, they can certainly survive the disruption. But for some uh, smaller businesses that may have been on the bubble and uh, just got through the pandemic with the, with the, by the skin of their teeth, um, is this going to be one last kick? Yeah, you know, I think for some it is. So I cover retail, but I also cover the restaurant industry. So I'm pretty up to date on what's going on there. And Again, restaurants are really struggling. You know, it's been such a roller coaster with all of the different changing regulations they've had to endure. And it's the same with the small mom and pop retailers, too. You know, there's one just a couple of weeks ago, an example that I think a lot of people have probably heard about is Lost Lake, which is a cocktail bar kind of on the border of Logan Square and Avondale having to close down. And a lot of restaurants, January is a really slow time. So some of them have chosen to shut down for a few weeks, um, you know, just to kind of ride it out and save money on expenses where they can. Um, But Lost Lake was one that in particular said, we can't do it anymore. This was sort of the nail in the coffin. Well, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Ali Marotti, restaurants and retail reporter, Crane Chicago Business. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app.